I hope you don't mind. I'm going to sit down this morning. I feel it just, uh, just felt like it's uh, the right thing to do. So uh, and maybe it just makes us a little bit more relaxed because this morning we're talking about worry. Um, so I spent the last two weeks trying not to worry about this message. The only advantage is that next week's do not judge, so I feel quite protected. So that's quite good. Um, but I've been preparing for this, and I have to say that I had a bit of a morning, and I woke up, and the Lord said I want it to be intensely practical. And of course, I've got a lot of notes, and I think, well, okay, what does that look like? Um, but it looks quite personal for me because. Uh, I just said to somebody earlier, I said, well, I'm quite an intense warrior, or at least I was before I met Jesus. And so maybe actually I can tell you some of that story. Um, and it wasn't what I'd planned to do. But, uh, but So what I want to do is really, before we get into that, there's sort of four distinct parts of this passage. Um, Jesus starts talking about treasures in heaven. So we're in uh, Matthew 6. Uh, 19, and we're heading all the way to the end, 34. Um, we're going to capture that. So the first section, there's, there's three sort of things, and they're very, very heavily interlinked, and they're very, very much along the constant theme of this uh, sermon. This is about our heart. Jesus is saying, what do we like inside? What does it look like? Um, and if you, a couple of weeks ago, you heard Chris talking about uh, fasting, about giving, about prayer, and about our motivation, what motivates us. And Jesus takes a bit of a turn now. He, he's much more personal in terms of, of what our lives look like. And, and we're just going to pick up on these. But what I want to do is just go through. So, so we'll start off, um, treasures in heaven. So 19, Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus starts us off straight into this. He's saying, well, actually, what's your focus? Your focus on treasure. Now, so we look at that and say, well, what's, what's Jesus saying? What's this treasure? And where are we supposed to store it up? And so so Jesus gives us two distinct places. But something really struck me this morning, just a few minutes ago really, that he doesn't give us two distinct times. He gives us two distinct places. But we probably place them into time. And, and, And the challenge from a practical point of view is, so when we think actually what's treasure, well, we see treasure on earth and we go, you know, it's money, it's wealth. Jesus is going to talk about that in a, mo- in a moment. He's going to talk about mammal. He's going to talk about this gathering of our stuff for ourselves. But actually, when he says this and he says, gather up on earth, even back in when uh, Chris was talking last week and he talks about the Lord will reward you, it's not a time-based thing necessarily. And I, and I, and I guess... I had a pleasure of going to some home groups, actually, after that session. I went to three home groups. And it was great, the discussion. And it's such a blessing to visit home groups, uh, to see what's going on, and to see the life of this community lived out in terms of unpacking stuff and whatever. So if, you, if you're part of a home group, I urge you, get along, be part of it. Um, you know, and, it, and if it's appropriate thing, it should be, then 
we'll get you into one. But, uh, but anyway, yeah, those groups, and they talked about these rewards. And, you know, what does it look like? Is it when I get to heaven on, you know, the conveyor belt? Or do I go with my points card and say, well, I've done all this and that? But that's a, that's a weird thing to think, isn't it? Because are we just sort of waiting for something? Is that what Jesus is saying? And I think, you know, actually the practicality of it is, is maybe we need to see heaven in a different way. We see heaven as some future place that we go, probably. But actually, if we were to see heaven as a present possibility, as well as a future reality, that game starts to change. That idea of reward starts to change. It stops to be something we're collecting for the future, and it starts to be something we're sowing for the present. It starts to be something that Jesus calls us to the kingdom, Jesus calls us to build the kingdom that's a present reality Jesus doesn't say the kingdom has come near sit back and wait till you die and go he says come and he sends out his disciples to indeed do that to bring in the kingdom so what are these treasures we're waiting for these treasures are a present possibility I think if you were to sum up what our calling of life is to be is to be to make the world a better place to make heaven, to make earth more like heaven, to, to bring Eden back in to the reality of our lives. So we shouldn't be, what's that I write it down? I said it's not somewhere, heaven shouldn't be somewhere we die to go to. It should be somewhere we're dying to see, somewhere we're longing to see lived out. And so these rewards that Jesus talks about and he's talked about in various times are our present reality? Are we sowing our heart for the kingdom? Are we sowing our lives for the kingdom? And he's going to go on and talk about our money in a moment to bring that as a present possibility as well as a future reality. So, we'll carry on. Uh, We'll do the next bit. And so I'm not going to concentrate on this because I'm going to move on to worry because I think that's probably quite a relevant topic for us over the last two years. Yeah, just as an aside, has anybody been worried over the last two years? <laughs> Excellent, good. We, we got the honesty bit, didn't we? I mean, even in the last few days, who's been worried about the storm? Yeah, we have, haven't we? But what does Jesus say about that? And we're going to come to that. So it was, I don't want to dart through these too quickly, but I think that is the heart for us this morning. So Jesus carries on, 22, he says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, the whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is the darkness. Now, I don't spend a huge amount of time on this. There's one thing to bear in mind when looking at this, is that the understanding of the eye in that era was not entirely as a scientific understanding of the eye we have now. Um, it, it, it was seen as, a, as, a, as an emitter as much as anything else from our lives. It would show uh, the health of a person. Uh, but, but what Jesus is using here is actually Jesus is much more pointing out as a window into the heart. He's saying actually what's in your heart is what I see through your eyes. Uh, and, and so Jesus is exactly in the same place. He's going, what's going on in here? What motivates you? What drives you? And as he says earlier in, the, in this, this sermon, he talks about um, uh, let your light shine. 
saying actually let those good deeds from your heart, those kingdom-driven motivations drive from your heart. Um, there's a bit of a challenge actually there because of course he then goes on to say do everything in secret. Um, but actually earlier on he told you to do it all in public so everybody could see. But that's Jesus for you. He loves to give us a little bit of a challenge uh, as how we handle these things. So I say, I, I think the important thing there, and there, you know, there's lots you could draw out of it, but actually the important thing there is Jesus is, is focusing on the heart. Because then he's going to go on, and, and the next bit he's going to go on, 24, he said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Or you might have heard the word mammon. Uh, it's much bigger than money. It's about wealth. It's about possessions. Um, but the truth is, it's about more than that. It's about all the worldly things that we seek and desire. It's about the fame. It's about all those other things, that, 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 the, the perceptions of us that the world would have us want. Um, and Jesus challenges it here. Now, just to be clear on this, actually, Jesus isn't saying money is bad. He's not saying the whole underpinned society that uses money to transact is wrong. Um, what he's saying is actually about who do we serve? Why do we do what we do? Are we doing it for the purposes of money? Are we doing it for the purposes of power? Are we doing it for the purposes of fame or possessions? Or are we doing it for the kingdom? Is our heart focused on the kingdom? Is our heart focused on heaven here? Or is our heart focused on ourselves, on our own benefit? Um, I actually think about it. There's, there's a bit of a thing, you know, it goes on about prosperity gospel. Uh, you know, there's this argument that, you know, Christians should prosper. Actually, I think that's wrong. Actually, that's not what Jesus teaches. But there is a good argument for prosperity kingdom. There is a good argument that we should prosper as this community. You know, as, as not this community, not this, you know, but as in terms of the world should prosper. It should be a prosperous pace because the kingdom is one of great, uh, of great things. Um, but Jesus is focusing on, on, on us, again, our hearts. So how do we make decisions? And this is something I'm going to really leave for the home groups to, to delve into because it's a very personal thing. But how do we decide what do we do? How do we decide what we do? I was up in the library yesterday. We had an away day. And I sat down in, in the library. We got the WTC. And I, I sat on a sag bag. It was a quiet time. And uh, there's a thousand books in that library. And the one that leapt off the shelf of my eyes was the other six days. And I thought, yeah, that's what it's all about. We're so focused on the one day. And the question is, what's the other six? And this is where Jesus is. Jesus is saying, well, you know, okay, this is fine. You're doing all this. But what do you put before everything else? What do those other six days look like in terms of the kingdom? Do they, are they serving God? Are they serving the kingdom? Or are they serving money? And just to be clear here, the church isn't the kingdom. This is something I argue quite a lot. Actually, the church is a vehicle within the kingdom to bring good news and to share it. But actually, our calling individually is to bring the kingdom, which is much greater than that. And our work and our everyday life should impact that always. So can we, are we in a position to choose what we do based on the kingdom, bringing, making the world a better place, or are we doing it because of the money it brings in or our own personal choice. That's not easy, and it's not something again to debate now, but I encourage home groups to think about uh, uh, that. So now I'm going to move on to this, this final section, which I say is, is the one I think that is most relevant 
to us today. Um, there's an irony that I'm giving it because I am quite a warrior, or at least I was. And interesting, I just talked to Ali literally before we started, and she said, oh, I didn't know that. And I said, well, actually, before I was a Christian, I was an intense warrior. And it reminded me, and I didn't bring it with me, but uh, in my 20s and 30s, I used to be so stressed that in the night I would grind my teeth. And I ground my teeth flat, and one night I woke up and some of my teeth were loose in my mouth because I was grinding them off. And I, so I had to go, I had to have a bike guard fitted, and every night I could not go to sleep without fitting a large plastic bike guard in my mouth to avoid me completely wrecking my teeth. And, and I still have that bike guard. Um, it has grooves in it that I wore away day, night after night. The day I became a Christian, I never wore it again in my life. And I have never experienced that damage to my teeth ever again. And I've forgotten about that, but it was just that conversation with Ali. That's my experience, the experience of worry that actually was turned into knowing Jesus transformed that. And that's practical about it. And of course, these last two years, you know, we've been worrying and, and, and it's work in progress for us all. It's work in progress for me. I had to stop watching the news because I could just worry about the news. The news is, is crippling sometimes, isn't it? You can, especially because it's 24 hours and you can get every moment and you can look at it. I, you know, I've had to stop doing that in a practical point of view to say to stop worrying about it. But what does Jesus actually say here? Does Jesus say, don't worry about anything, just relax, it's all fine? Or, or is he saying something else? You know, is Jesus saying, oh, whatever? Or is Jesus saying something specific? So let's read it together. Um, 25, so uh, Matthew 6, 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, or the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So I think it's... There's a hook on the end of this. Jesus says don't worry, but at the end there's a hook. There's a hook that says, he says, well don't worry about tomorrow. There's enough trouble about today. 
And there's something about that that is really, really important to us because we can get focused on this and think, oh, actually, this is a message that says, don't worry, chill out, relax, whatever. You know, those big reclining chairs, you know, it's like, that's what life's like. Is that what Jesus says? No, that's not what Jesus says. That's not what Jesus' mission is about. I want loads of super relaxed Christians. No, I want a kingdom. And I want you to build the kingdom, but I'm not asking you to worry about the things that you don't worry about. And I think, actually, that you do worry about, sorry, you needn't worry about. Uh, Just an important point in here. Personally, I don't think there's any particular pertinence to the three references he makes, food, drink, and clothes. I think they're examples. Um, they're examples because they're relevant, because that's actually the things that society worries about. But if he was here today, he'd be saying, stop worrying about what phone you have. Stop worrying about what car you're going to drive. It would be the same. I think the point is very much focused on our heart, on what our heart's worrying about, what our heart's focused on, not simply whether it be food or, or, or drink. And I think we can be guilty of that as Christians. We can be guilty of, oh, it's all God, he'll do it all, it's fine, whatever. And I find that really hard. When people say, oh, whatever to me, I just find it really, really hard because I think, no, it's not whatever. Jesus calls us to be his disciples. He calls us to be active in the kingdom. He calls us to do stuff and to make it count and to make it matter. But he doesn't call us to pointless worry. He says, roll up your sleeves. He says, roll up your sleeves and get in there and make heaven our present possibility don't just sit back and wait for it to arrive later and that point as he says he says well you know this strength for today uh you know sorry therefore don't worry about today for tomorrow will worry about itself that song we just sung and i wrote the words there strength for today but bright hope for tomorrow jesus knows we need strength there is stuff that we need to worry about inverted commas we need to get on and do stuff there is stuff that should concern us we should be concerned about the world but not so it's crippling and so we can't deal with it actually he wants us to be concerned and take action and then leave the rest to god So I'm going, to, I'm going to show you in a minute. There's a really good uh, example Jesus uses. He, he uses this example. He uses the flowers of the field and how they're clothed. But he uses the birds of the air. Uh, and one of the things he, he says in there, he says, well, he says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. So we can think about birds. Well, they're just like, oh, whatever. We'll get, you know, they wake up in the morning and the grubs will fall from heaven. No. That's not the bird's storyline. Um, what I like to do, and I thought I was going to forget it, but I didn't, so Jeff, would you like to hit a little video? Send it out full screen, because you don't need to see me. They're more interested in the birds. Tomorrow. But the reality of their life is that it's pretty full on. They are, well, I'd say they were probably worrying about today. Uh, in that way. So what does it look like? It's talking about practicality. Um, It's about knowing what you need to do and doing it. 
and giving a rest to God. And so my personal experience, I talked about the fact that, uh, that it was a miracle, the fact that I don't wear my bike guard. I didn't actually, I just knew the day I met Jesus, but I didn't need to wear it again. We were camping, I had it with me, and I'd worn it every night up until then, and I never wore it again. I've never put it in my mouth since. Um, that was a miracle. That was, that was nothing other than a miracle. That was the miracle of Jesus in my life. But what then pulled it out, it's actually, it doesn't mean like it's fine, I don't worry about anything. Actually, I still worry about things. I admit it, I worry about things. But I have started to work, actually, how do I handle that? How do I deal with that? And one of the things I've come to, to use is I had a very physical things to know when I've dealt with something. Because you know what happens? When you think you start worrying about doubts start to rise up. And if we know our Bibles, we will know that doubter is a term given to the, to the devil. Because the devil will say, oh, you haven't really dealt with this. You should be worrying about it. Because actually, as Jesus points out, you don't add a single hour to your life by worrying. The medical evidence is you, dis, you, you take hours and hours and hours off your life by worrying. It shortens our lives. So Jesus is not only saying don't waste your life on it, he's saying don't give your life away to worry. So, so some of the, the practical point of view for me is that I would think, oh, I've got this thing and it's worrying me. And I would do something physical to handle that. And I, I used to have a shelf in my office and I would put things on it. So I could say to the doubter, I've given that to Jesus. I have given that to Jesus. It's, I could even look at it and go, it's up there, it's there. Like, it's to, to go away. It's nothing to do with you. Uh, and, and that was physically what I would do. And, and I would do that. And the funny thing was, I, I, I could do anything. I could find a model, I'd write a note, or I'd cut something out of paper. And sometimes I mean, I'd clear out, and i think, what was that? I can't even remember what it was. But clearly I was so worried about it, I had to put it on that shelf. Uh, and, it, and, and in its own way, it was, it, was, it, was, it was healing in its own right, because actually you could start to realize that so much of what we're worrying about it's nothing. It's, it doesn't, we can't influence it, and it probably won't hurt us in the end. But actually, we can give it to Jesus and say, well, look, I've done what I've done. But we do have to do what we need to do. So, for example, if you saw my uh, talk last week about our heating system at home, I had to take action uh, to try and fix it. But I, there were times I was quite worried. You know, I thought, well, it's quite cold, and it could get really cold. Um, but I, at one point, I was praying. I said, Lord, you know, do this. And, and the Lord said, you've ordered the relays. They're going to come and you're going to change them. So what more do you need to do? Uh, fair cop. Actually, I don't need to do anything. I, I've done. I've taken action. The action is good. I have to wait for the action to come to realization. And when it does, I do. But worrying about it in the interim is completely pointless uh, uh, and a waste of time. Um, so as I say, so do that, and I tend to do it less physically now, but I do it quite symbolically. Uh, Alice and I were in a really stressful situation a few weeks ago in the ministry, and we came back, and as we came back to our house, I said, I have to deal with this out here in the road. I have to leave this here. Because if I leave it here, then I can always say that's where it is. And so I can deal with that worry. And say, well, I'm not going to worry about that because I gave that to Jesus out there. And I left it there. And we prayed and we left it there. And I still use that time. And I go, actually, I don't need to deal with that. I've done what I needed to do. It's there, Lord. If I need to deal with it back again, you'll bring it back to me. And, and that's another thing I think is worth worrying about. We sometimes worry about things so we don't forget about them. 
Well, we all have diaries. We have phones. If we're worrying about something in these actions, write it down and let it go. And that way we can stop thinking, well, I need to worry about it so I don't forget. And in other aspects, if we are living our lives in a daily one-to-one communication with the Lord Jesus, then we can rely on the Holy Spirit to bring to our mind the things we need to do at the moments we need to do them. And Jesus is saying, stop worrying about all those things that you think you need to do. Come to the kingdom, because the kingdom will be what I want to do, and I will give you what you need within that. So he's calling us to perseverance. He's calling us to action. He's calling us to a commitment, but he's not calling us to worry. So it's real. It is rubber hitting the road. It is action, but it's not worrying about what isn't ours to worry about or what uh, the Lord wants us to. So what I want to do, I just want to finish off um, in Proverbs 3. I think it's a good place to finish off. We're going to sing a song in a minute for this I have Jesus. And I think, you know, that's what Jesus says. And he says, cast your burdens on to me. Actually, give them to me because I can handle that without worrying about it. And you need to be free of that worry. And if you are a great worrier, just pray. Just continue to pray to find ways to give it to God. Take the action you need to take and and move on from that. But if if anybody wants to pray afterwards, I'd be delighted to pray with anybody. Um, If anybody wants to pray for my worry, I'd be delighted to receive it. Um, So yeah, Proverbs 3. Let's let's, let's go there. Because I think this is really... There's a beauty in Proverbs 3 that you can see Jesus... It's in Jesus when he's talking about it. It This is his heart, isn't it? He says, My son, do not forget my teaching but keep my commands in your heart. The writer's right there in your heart. He's saying, what's in your heart will drive your life. What's in your heart will drive your worry. What's in your heart will drive your motivation for everything you do. To keep my commands in your heart. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Jesus says, the worry will add nothing to your life, but... This will prolong your life. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them round your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and good name in the sight of God and humankind. We're back on the reward again, aren't we? You see, the link actually, the favor with God is actually that's what's going on. And then he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Because we don't know what's even worth worrying about. That's the truth of it. We've got no idea. But the Lord does. So how do we do that? How can we make that? And then he carries on. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. And that should be our prayer for each and every one of us, is that we would experience what the writer of Proverbs 3 is talking about. 
this sense of trusting the Lord to a level that is beyond understanding. But we are active in the kingdom as Jesus calls us to be. We are focused on bringing the kingdom as a reality. Because our reward lies in what God wants to see happen in our lives, in our community, in our world. And he calls us to be part of that. So, thank you, Reese.